Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's Word and consider how it applies to our lives. For those of you who don't know, I'm Gary Templeton, uh, and Steve is not here today, so you know I'm not him. Uh, he is taking a little breather uh, and visiting family, I think, and so we're anxious to see him come back next week. But he asked me to fill in today, so I am going to do that. Uh, I want to introduce to you uh, a couple people here. My brother Bruce is here, and his wife Connie. Uh, Bruce is a minister up in Kentucky, and so we're glad he's here. <laughs> My daughter Natalie and son Gary and daughter-in-law Irma are all here today, so uh, glad they're here also. I know as Phil mentioned, it's kind of hard to believe that the year 2019 is nearly over. On Wednesday of this week... Uh, we began a new year, and a new year is always time for us to reflect on things that have happened this past year. Think of God's blessing, perhaps. Think of the good things that have happened. Reflect on those good things. But it's also a time of resolution, uh, to look forward to say, here are things that I'm going to change or I'm going to do differently. Uh, here are the New Year's resolutions that I might make. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at the story of Joshua from the Old Testament. And from the features of Joshua's life, be able to draw some advice or guidelines, you might say, as to how we might have a successful 2020. So I've titled the message this morning, A New Beginning. And uh, before we get into it, let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we are grateful for... A new year before us and we do stop to reflect on the blessings that you have passed on to us throughout this year we take just a second to think about them for uh, for a moment because sometimes we take things for granted and you have blessed us uh, beyond far beyond what we deserve in this year and we ask that you continue now uh, to bless us as we look forward to a new beginning in a new year. So bless us today with your word and help us understand more fully what you want us to be and how you want us to live. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know how much you remember about Joshua. Uh, most of us remember the song, Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. <laughs> uh, I'd sing it for you, but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot more to the story of Joshua than the Battle of Jericho. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Joshua was a great leader. In fact, Douglas MacArthur, General Douglas MacArthur said that Joshua was one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known. That's quite an endorsement if you stop and think about it. So there's a great deal to learn from the story of Joshua. Think about it for a moment. Moses was his mentor for 40 years. So he, he learned under a great leader. Uh, Moses took two and a half million people out of the country of Egypt, uh, led them out from captivity. And during that time, 
formed them into a people of God. He was a guy who was able to do great things as God's man, God's leader. And so Joshua steps in now uh, to take this nomadic tribe that Moses led out of Egypt and form them into the nation of Israel. They were a nomadic people under Moses, but they became a nation under Joshua. And so Joshua's leadership was quite astounding as you stop to think about those kind of things. Not one of them had ever owned a stick of property. They'd been 430 years in captivity. They were slaves. And Moses brought them out, and as nomads, they didn't own any property. They wandered throughout the Sinai Desert. But it was Joshua who actually then brought them into the Promised Land and formed them into the nation of God. Great features that we want to look at from Joshua's life that will show us guidelines as we begin a new year. Because Joshua was really uh, starting a new beginning for Israel. So let's take a look at what he says. Chapter 1 in Joshua begins by uh, us seeing a transfer of power. Moses was dead. Dead as a doornail, Charles Dickens might say. <laughs> uh, he was gone. And he, God is now passing the baton from Moses to Joshua. Four times in chapter 1, he says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous. And so our guideline number one is to live courageously in 2020. Joshua was courageous. Like us, there was no way that he could have possibly known what was in front of him as he moved into the promised land. He was getting ready to uh, occupy a land that was filled with kings and armies and people who had been there for hundreds and even thousands of years. So he had no idea what he was running into. But God says to him, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. These people weren't going to give up their land voluntarily. And so Joshua had to be courageous as he moved into the new land. You and I don't know what 2020 has in store for us, do we? We look into it, we know it's going to be filled with blessing. We have, have received so much in this year, and we will receive so much blessing next year. Unfortunately, the problem for us is that we often take it for granted or we fail to recognize it at all. But we do know God is going to give us great blessing. We are a blessed people. But along with the blessing, we know there are going to be obstacles and hurdles and things that we run into, challenges that we don't expect whatsoever. And Joshua says to us, we need to live courageously in this new beginning. So what does that mean to live courageously? What does it mean to have courage? Well, we all know the old adage, courage is not the absence of fear, and then there's a whatever we add to that. Uh, the most common, perhaps, is courage is not the absence of fear, 
it's acting in spite of fear. Nelson Mandela said it this way, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over fear. Mark Twain said this, Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. But I think Joshua would have liked this one. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. I think that fits Joshua. You see, fulfilling God's purpose in his life was more important than fear for Joshua. Being the kind of person God intended for him to be was more important. Getting Israel into the promised land and fulfilling God's promise was more important than anything he might run into in that new beginning. And so Joshua lived his life strong and courageously. And as we look into the new year, the new beginning for us, it's important that we also live courageously. One of the great examples of Joshua living courageously was when he fought the battle of Jericho. God said to him, Joshua, here's the battle plan. I want you to go and take your army and march around the cities one time every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to march around seven times and blow the trumpets and shout and the walls will collapse. Now that's not the kind of battle plan most generals would take into battle. In fact, I don't know of anybody who would do that except for the fact that that's what God told him to do. And he was courageous enough to do what God said to do. He was like a lot of the Old Testament characters and other people in the Bible. Noah was a courageous man when you stop and think about it. He was building a boat in the middle of the desert. And God said, that's what I want you to do. And people laughed at him. People mocked him. But he continued to do what God told him to do courageously. You move through the Bible and you see guys like Daniel who faced the lion's den. You see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who faced the fiery furnace. You come through the Bible and you see Peter and the apostles who were able to stand before the magistrates and preach the gospel in spite of prison and death if necessary. These men all were men who lived courageously and the secret to it was that they trusted that God would do what he said he would do. That's what living courageously is about. So as we look into the new year, the new beginning for us, Joshua's first guideline for us is to live courageously. And that is to trust God to do what he said he would do. Now you say, wait a minute, in that first chapter, doesn't it say, doesn't God speak to Joshua? And doesn't he say this in verse 5 and 6? As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. 
Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So God speaks to Joshua and he said, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. You say, well, Gary, if God would speak to me and say, I will be with you just like I was with Moses, I could live courageously, right? But didn't Jesus speak to us just before he ascended into heaven? And didn't he say to us, Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. So if it was God saying to Joshua, I'll be with you just like I was with Moses, then we should listen because Jesus said to each of us, Lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. So the first thing Joshua says is live courageously. Second guideline that he gives us, Stay in the word. Again, look at verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. He says, be careful to obey the law. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. For the next 25 years, as Joshua led the Israelites, he was going to lead them into battle. He would face king after king and army after army, and in each case successful as he conquered the promised land. But his guidebook for all this was the word of God. And God says to him, you need to keep the law. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. Keep it focused. What he was saying is that I don't want you to get sidetracked. It's easy for that to happen, isn't it? for us today, to get sidetracked a bit from what God speaks to us, what God wants us to do. We get things going on in our minds, in our heads, and when God was here, and we were focused on him, everything was great. But somehow something else came into my mind, my life, and I got sidetracked a bit. The word of God kind of got pushed to the side. I got involved in something far more trivial far less important. God says, if you are to have a successful and prosperous year, then you need to stay in the word. And verse 8 tells us kind of how to do that. He says, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, get this, then you will be prosperous and successful. So three things he tells us to do to stay in the word. He says, first of all, you don't let it depart from your mouth. In other words, speak it. Talk about it. How many conversations do you have each week about the word of God? You know, we sit here, we listen, we go to Sunday school, we listen. But in our conversations on a daily basis, do we talk about the Word of God? That helps it stay in our hearts when we talk about it. So he says, talk about it. That'll help keep the Word of God in your heart. Second, he says that you should meditate on it day and night. So think about it. When you wake up in the morning, do you think about the Word of God? 
When you go to bed at night, do you think about the Word of God? Throughout the day, do you think about the Word of God? Or is it something that just kind of disappears in the process? God says, stay in the Word. And the way you do it is to talk about it. The way you do it is to think about it. The way you do it, he says, the third thing, is that you are to be careful to do everything written in it. He's saying you've got to live it day in and day out. If you want to have a successful and prosperous year in 2020, then we need to live courageously by trusting God to do what he says, and we need to stay in the word by talking about it, by thinking about it, by living it throughout the days. Third guideline that he mentions, chapter 3 tells a story of the children of Israel crossing the Jordan. It's a story that we sometimes miss, I guess. A lot of people aren't even aware of this particular story, but just like Moses led the children of Israel across the Red Sea, that God parted the waters and they walked across on dry ground. Joshua chapter 3, God duplicates that miracle. They're getting ready to cross into the promised land. The Bible tells it's, it's flood season. The Jordan River is in flood stages. It's a dangerous river, normally, let alone in flood season. I looked it up. It's 156 miles from the head of the river to its base. 156 miles going north to south. And there's quite a drop from the, its mouth of the river to the end of the river. So you've got a huge current that's running through the Jordan River. And at flood stages, the water is outside the banks. It's moving fast. I don't know if you've ever been around a river that's raging in flood stages, but it's a dangerous looking thing. Water's moving, it's got all kinds of stuff floating down the river, and it's moving fast, and it's scary. God brings the children of Israel to the Jordan River, and he says to, Mo, to Joshua, I'm going to part the river, and you're going to go across. I'm going to take you across. I'm going to perform a miracle here. And he does. There's a side story to that that I think I should share, maybe. He, he told Joshua that the priests should pick up the Ark of the Covenant and they should walk into the waters of the Jordan. And when they do, I will part the Jordan River and the children of Israel can cross on dry ground. Now, the side part of that is that the priest had to step into the water of this raging river in flood stages before God stopped the water. So they had to take a step of faith into the water before God parted the waters from the cross on dry ground. And I think that happens for us sometimes. Before God gives us the miracle that we might be looking for, we need to show a sign of faith by stepping into the water. And then God does what we've asked. But we show a sign of faith first. And that's what happened with Joshua and the Israelites. The priests stepped into the water, and as soon as they did, the waters from the north stopped. They piled up there, it said, and they walked across the Jordan River 
on dry ground into the promised land. And then later in that chapter, verse 24, here's what God says. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now let me read it again. God did this, parted the Jordan River, and let them walk across on dry ground. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, so that you might always fear the Lord your God. The problem with our world today the problem with our nation today, the problem with the church today, is that we no longer fear God like he wants us to. For so many, if they believe in God at all, he has become something of a joke for some. It's un not unusual to hear people joke about God, God on the golf course, or God here, or God there. It's not unusual at all to hear God's name taken in vain. It's not unusual at all to think about or hear people talk about God as kind of an old man, kind of lost his power, not in charge any longer. We don't fear God like he wants us to. And it's not that God wants us to fear, feel threatened by him. Or to think that he's a danger to us in some way. When the Bible talks about fearing God, it's talking about a sense of respect and submission. The theologian out west, retired theologian, his name was Robert Strimple. And he probably defined this idea of fearing God uh, as best as I've ever seen it. He said, it is, that is, the fear of God is a convergence of awe and reverence, adoration, honor, worship, confidence, thankfulness, love, and yes, fear. Did you get that? It's convergence of all of those things. Understanding that God is great and powerful. People today, if they believe in God, don't fear him. They don't see anything wrong with taking his name in vain, talking about him as he's, he's just somebody else. But to fear God is to see him as the creator of the universe, the giver of life, to see God as the one who is greater than anything that man can conceive, a God of love and of grace, a God of justice and judgment, a God deserving our honor and glory and obedience. Joshua tells us a guideline to a great new year is that we learn to fear God, to live courageously, to stay in the word. And finally, he says we should be fully committed. As we come to the last chapter in Joshua, he speaks to the people, chapter 24, verses 14 and 15, and he says this, Now fear the Lord, 
and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your an- that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Children of Israel had been influenced by a number of people and religious groups. Their ancestors before Abraham had worshipped pagan dumb idols. In Egypt, they had learned all of the religious uh, ideals and pagan religions. They'd entered the land now of the Amorites and their could settle in and be like them if they chose to do so. But Joshua said to them, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If your new beginning is to be successful, he says, you have to decide who or what you're going to serve in 2020. And if serving God seems undesirable to you, then choose who you are going to serve. For some people in the room here today, serving God is undesirable. Not something they want to do. It's not that they want to serve other gods necessarily. They don't necessarily want to pursue other religions. They simply would rather serve themselves. They'd rather do what makes them happy rather than what pleases God. Joshua tells us you can't have it both ways. If you're going to be successful in this new year, in this new beginning, whatever it might be, You have to choose today whom you will serve. You have to choose who sits on the throne of your life. I'm amazed today at how quickly some people can abandon God. You know, one day God is number one in their lives, and the next day, if they don't agree with what God has in mind, he's not number one any longer. It's as if they are on equal status with God. You know, I hear what you're saying, God, but I don't agree with you. And I'm not going to do what you say. I'm not committed fully. I've chosen to do what I want rather than what you want. And that, my friends, is not serving God. That's serving self. And Joshua said... This new beginning won't work that way. So January 1st is right around the corner. The beginning of a new year. Time for a new beginning. And if it is to be successful, Joshua's guidelines are simple. Live courageously by trusting that God will do what he says he will do. 
So trust him and be courageous. Be strong. Stay in the word. Talk about it. Think about it. Live it. Fear God. Honor his power. Worship his majesty. Acknowledge his greatness. Respect his wisdom. Fear his judgment. Fear God. And be fully committed. Choose this day whom you will serve. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.